what's cooking up in the kitchen? Am I smelling that soul food? Oh, yes, it is soul food. The spiritual food for your spiritual nourishment. And you know what? This food will never expire. Never expire? I need this food every day. You are listening to these spiritual-based podcasts. There are many podcasts, but this one here is to satisfy your soul, to feed your spiritual hunger. Are you hungry for God? Don't let your soul be hungry. No matter where you are, whatever you are doing now, at work, home, or on the go, you can still listen here and right now, the uh, Soul Food Podcast. Don't let ever your soul to go hungry. It's time for some Soul Food. I started getting involved at that point more socially with people in school, the community. And that's when I got introduced to the OG of the uh, the gang I used to be a part of. I believe that was at age 12. He was like, hey, you know, your family told me that you're hungry. And I told him, yeah, he'd bring me groceries. And then he'll invite me over to the hood. And he says, you know, you can have family. Things will be moving and you will hear like, like in the doors or, or, or in the windows or scratches and I'll get scared, right? Never experiencing things like that. And they'll be like, hey, it's okay. There are, there are guardians. They protect us and they will help you if you call on them. But it comes with the price. So what is it? That you have to dedicate your life to them. One of them took out a knife and he just took one shank. Boom! And I felt like any other person that gets stabbed, if it was a sharp pain, I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was paralyzed. I would hear like doors closing and opening, but yet no one ran to me. I knew I was gonna die. Hey, my thing, I think that's the one, you know. You are now listening to Soul Food Podcast. Today we have a fire song featured by the Youth Power Group USA. You can find them on all social media platforms at ypg.usa. Make sure to share and leave your comments below. Stay connected because we have a powerful story to share with you in this new year of 2024. Big faith energy when I step through, just know I was born for this. I'm not religious, right? If it's preached right, you gon' know who the father is. To every sunrise, there's a sunset. That's him just reminding us. I heard you on demon time. Keep that confidence, cause I got God with me. If you don't know, you gon' know right after this. Cause I got God with me. If you don't know, you gon' know right after this. We can do it one-on-one. We can do it one-on-three. I got the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all rolling with me. Demons try to take me out. Well, I guess we gon' see. You have to run into him, run into him, run into him for you, run into me. One on one. We can do it one on three. I got the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all rolling with me. Demons try to take me out. Well, I guess we gon' see. You have to run into him, run into him, run into him for you, run into me like fresh in the faith like knowing he is the way like moving the tape like Running the place like Fresh in the faith like Knowing he is the way like Moving the tape like Running the place like Power with a general In a God's army A while back my father and I got into a pretty intense argument and um, he told me that he was you know, ashamed to have me as his son 
and that really hit, hit me, you know, hard. And it's, you know, to this day, I still think about that and use that to kind of motivate me to be better and try to build a relationship with him again. It's... Why aren't you smart enough? And who said that? My mother. I was working on math homework, and I was probably in fourth grade, and I couldn't figure out a question. She uh, straight up asked me that. And now that I have him, I would never say that to my kid, ever. Being away from you has been so good for me and my mental health. I can't spend time with you, Sky. How bad your mental health is makes you just a tiring person to be around. I don't love you. I'm no longer in love with you. Let's just be friends. I love you, but you're not what I want. I'm not sure if I'm in love with you. It wasn't real. No one could ever love you. You're too broken. It was kind of a way for him to make me feel trapped in the relationship. Um, because if he could convince me that nobody could ever love me, I would accept what he was giving me, which wasn't love. It's over. <laughs> yeah, like breaking up with me, like, like they say, like it's over. You know, a few tears fell down, and uh, that's it. You know, I didn't, I didn't know how to act. I'm gonna just leave it at that. I don't want to start crying out here again. Daily devotions. Bishop Barra Fonseca. Hi there. May the God of the Bible bless all of you. And this is it. He wants to bless you. That's why he said, you shall return to me and I will return to you. God is not fair, far. Maybe the God that you think about is there up there in heaven, far from you. No, God is not far. He's near you, and he wants to answer you. Oh, my friend, because if God is great, as we believe, something great must happen in your life. I do not accept. I cannot conceive in my brain to believe in a God that is great and my life be a miserable life. It does not make any sense. What you have to do, you have to challenge God. You have to say, God, if you are real, if you exist, I want to see you in my life here and now. Let us read it together, the scripture. This is the daily devotion for you today. Weeping. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Meaning, joy comes early. When it says in the morning, it's not just the morning time, but early. The earlier you call upon him, the earlier he's going to answer you. Weeping, your tears, your cry, perhaps is there throughout of your life. You have a life of tears. The pages of your book are written by tears. You have been crying over your problems, your situation. But now the Lord is saying, weep may endure for a night, may last for a night. But joy, peace, prosperity, healing comes early. 
early in the morning. As soon as you finish listening to this message, I want you to go on your knees and you are going to pray. Go down on your knees and you say, Lord, I need an answer in my life. If you are my father, if you care for me, so answer me and the Lord will answer you. Tomorrow again, I bring to you another daily devotional message for you. Daily Devotions. With Bishop Barra Fonseca. Right after this song, we will share Paul's story. Make sure to share with your friends and family this impactful story. When I was three years old, my dad passed away. He uh, he was in the Navy. He used to work in the boats, shipping back and forth between countries. He met my mom in California, in Los Angeles, and uh, she was a model at the time. And he was he worked in the ships. They had an encounter shortly after. Hello, I pop up. And um, about two years later, my dad developed skin cancer and he had passed away. My mom was devastated. She was just broken, just torn apart. We moved out here shortly after I turned four years old in Tucson, Arizona, and just being brokenhearted, you know, not being able to move move forward with our lives. You know, me as a child, you know, I have uh, sisters from my mom's side of the family. I was uh, maybe five, six, I believe, where they uh, turned 18 and just took off. They were done. They just were waiting for that moment. 
And it was my mom, myself, and I. And I remember growing up, really abusive home. In Mexico, we have these cintos, these belts, the vaquero cintos, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Metal buckle with metal stubs. Anything I did to trigger anything, I used to get that. Dishes thrown at me. I had a couple of dishes throw, uh, broken in my back. I remember it as, as crystal as day. Things like that because of her anger. So the spirit of anger, of defeat, of, of grieving, right? Not being able to move forward and, and not knowing Christ at that moment. She grew up Catholic. I went to a Catholic church twice. I just remember, you know, going and, and seeking God, you know, and for what I knew who was God and having no peace having no rest, you know, at home. And it came to a stage where my mom would party in and out. That was the only way that she found temporary relief. And we'll have parties every weekend. She would come home from work, 6, 7 p.m., 5, sometimes I'll get out of school. Back in the day when school used to get off at 1.15 p.m., you know, not 3.10. And a third grade, key to the house, second grade, key to the house, walking home. I lived right in front of the school. A crosswalk lady used to just, you know, watch me go inside the house and just wait for my mom. I remember my mom used to um, come home from work and I eat once a day. I eat whatever's at school and then she'll bring me a meal from the restaurant, which was her meal. So she wouldn't even eat just so I can eat. And she would walk to the door and be just stumbling drunk, throwing up everywhere, you know, at times. And um, sometimes, you know, I would say 50-50, she would walk to the door and um, just start yelling. You know, did you clean the house? Did you mop? Did you sweep? Did you do the dishes? that you dirty? Because you eat all the time. Did you do your homework? Let me see your homework. One little thing I did wrong was a beating. Big, severe beating. And um, at times she would just throw up. She would walk in, running inside the house, trying to go to the bathroom and just throw up all over me. I remember I'd be like, hi, ma, you know. Hola, ma, como te fue? You know, how you doing? How's your day? And running towards her and then, you know, down my face, my hair. I remember just thinking, my mom is sick. You know, she's always so sick. I would take her to the bathroom. You know, she would I'd be at the blackout stage already. Her when your eyes are kind of like just fluttering, rolling back. And I'll clean her off the best I could. I was a kid, right? Six, seven, eight. Clean up the house, shower, and go back to watching Power Rangers of Batman in a dark house by myself. No friends, no family, nothing. Just myself. And I just, most positive thing I can think, you know? Oh, she's sick. I hope she gets better. Um, it's okay. You know what I mean? We're going to go play sometime. We're going to hang out. It happened occasionally when she was sober. It's usually when she, we were flatline broke, broke and the restaurant wouldn't give her alcohol or nothing. And I was grateful for those times. And one thing that I, that I noticed that led me to my addiction at eight years old, that was an alcoholic at eight. I used to see the beer bottles laying around, right? Just laying around the counters, the table, botellas de Jose Cuervo, Bacanora, which is Mexican moonshine. Just everywhere. And to me, it was a norm. You know, the Word of God says to teach our children, you know, in the way they should go so they don't depart from it. But what was I learning? Drinking. Cigarettes. I started to pick up on that. It's normal. I'm thirsty. Instead of getting sink water, I'm going to get one of the beers. Like my mom does. It's, it's, it's a soda. It's like a Sprite. You know, we learn habits like that. I used to drink it, and I remember I did not like it. It would make me burp all the time. It was disgusting, and I'll drink, like, the alcohol, and it will burn my throat, and it would be, like, hurting and pain for a couple days or scratchy. I would cough all the time. School thought I was sick all the time. And that's when I started experiencing getting drunk at 8 years old. And to me, my mom never noticed, really, when the when the bottles were would be low because to her, oh, I must have drank a lot last night. When the beers... 
Sometimes I'll get beat because she would notice certain things, you know, certain beers laying around because I would get drunk and I'll fall asleep. And I got sucked in deeper and deeper into addiction and alcohol. And I remember just feeling really sick, feeling like my skin was turning red until I started learning the side effects of alcoholism and the withdrawals. And I started getting really angry all the time. And and I don't know that I was so so depressed, but I would cry for no reason. My emotions would be fluctuating all over the place. And I remember that it felt like something was yanking me from within my body. My Like, like my soul was twisting and, you know, straining or, or, or just getting rid of the water from a towel. And it was painful. Then I would slow down and I thought that if I smoked, it would go away because every time my mom drank, she would smoke cigarettes. So I'll go in the backyard, I'll get dried grass because it's Arizona, our normal day is 104, right? And I would crumble it or just get it and get a piece of paper from my notebook and I would roll it up. I would roll it up and I would even lick it, but it wouldn't stick. So tape it and I would smoke it. So who knows, man, I got a, I mean, I got a farm of grass probably, you know, that I smoked and, and thinking that it would help me, but it would make me sick. And I'll throw up and just feel nasty. And I'll go to sleep because that's what my mom does. And wake up feeling worse, go to school. And I love school. Shortly after that, you know, it was a continuous cycle. The parties got longer. I remember my mom tried to find um, love in other men. And they would come to the house. I would be in my room sleeping or hanging out. And I would hear things. I would see things. There will be the women, you know, that will come to the parties. And the men that would, you know, utilize our rooms, you know, no explanation needed. With that being said, I see my mom as well. She had a relationship with this man, which they're really good friends now. And, you know, I mean, everything's straight. He would beat her. He would beat her. And I, I remember I'll try to run to my mom and I would grab her and, you know, turn around and try to, like, shelter her. You know, me at that point being like 10, 11, trying to fight back, but, you know, getting smacked and never oh, close fisted punched. But I would get beat with her. And I remember, uh, this one time where we were both, we both got smacked really hard. My mom went flying, hit her head, you know, bruised face. I got backhanded across the head this way. And we were both backs behind the wall. My mom was like, you know, curled up with me, you know what I mean? And and I'll be trying to like be brave for her, but I was afraid. And we were, we locked ourselves into this room because we ran in there and he was banging on the door. Papa, abre la puerta. Abre la puerta, vamos a morir todos. We're all gonna die. Open the door. And my mom crying and, and me, leave, leave. But in Spanish, largate, vete, vete. Déjanos en paz. And, and just crying and so afraid that I was gonna die. I uh, legitly believed being nine, 10 years old that I was going to die uh, with my mom. And, and my mom's like, it's okay, Polito, todo bien, you know, just he'll go away and eventually it will stop. And we would sleep there and I wouldn't go to school and my mom would make the brave effort because we had two doors to go out the side to see if he was there or sleeping in the couch at times. At times he would leave door open in the front door and then we'll have a breather for a couple hours until he would sober up. And what happened? That was his first question. Many times um, he knew what happened. I started getting involved at that point more socially with people in school, the community. And that's when I got introduced to the OG of the uh, the gang I used to be a part of, you know. And um, I believe that was at age 12 that I started talking to this OG, which is the leader of this of this gang, right? There was a nasty gang war. That was back in the times where gang members used to walk the streets, red, blue, or brown, back and forth in groups. And it's not for the street. It's for the business happening in the street. That's why thugs want to take over territory. 
They don't care about the streets or the houses. They care about the drug labs, the prostitution homes, the, the bricks and the yayo and and, 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 and and the marijuana, all that stuff that was hiding in the houses because there were stash houses and cops never knew about it. That's why gang members will take over neighborhoods. You know, and a lot of people didn't know that. They just thought it was about a color in the neighborhood. It wasn't. Having that said, I remember he came to my house once. He was like, hey, you know, your family told me that you're hungry. And I told him, yeah, I'm very hungry. What do you eat? I remember our fridges used to be empty. There would be a gallon of milk here and there and bread and cheese. And it would just, just go bad. And I would go to the fridge. I wouldn't even ask my mom for food, being afraid that I was going to make her upset. I would pick the, the molded parts of the bread and put cheese and eat that. Or I'll pick the wrong parts of the brick of cheese and just bite it. Sometimes we didn't have food and I would just drink water and water trying to get full. And it was a temporary fool, but it only made me feel worse. Like when you're so hungry and I didn't know what to do. And the cafeteria's ladies will pack up like two extra lunches on the weekends because they knew that I didn't really eat over the weekend. And I didn't know about social workers and uh, therapists and asking for help at that time. It was just, oh, this is normal, right? I didn't ask questions. I didn't stick around to see other kids, parents, or anything like that. I'll just go home. So with that being said, he'd bring me groceries. That's all he would do the first two, three visits. And then he'll invite me over to the hood. And he says, you know, you can have family. You can be family. You tell a kid like me at 12 years old, 13 years old, that I can be family, that I can say I love you and hear it back. I fell in love. And I remember going over there, excuse me, um, and feeling like I was home. I would feel like I had brothers, sisters, you know. Um, I would feel like I belonged there. And that's all I wanted to do and all I ever wanted to be. And, and we would eat enchiladas and he would buy burgers, pizzas. And I'm like, man, man, we got money, you know. Not knowing the truth, you know, that, that lies beneath that, right? And he won me over just like that. Having that said, that's all I wanted to be. After school, I'll go, I'll, I'll go to the hood and just stay there. My mom sometimes don't even know that I was at home because she was coming, stumbling, go to sleep, wake up and go to work. I would get up by myself with an alarm clock, get ready and go to school and come back, come home. And my mom, you know, trusted that I was doing that in times. She would freak out not knowing where I was. And I would come home and she'll go looking for me. And, you know, and then she'll reach out, you know, to my tia or whoever else, you know, which which not blood, just friends, you know, because of friendship. We came to Tucson and they'll be like, oh, he's over here. As I got older, I started being involved more within the gang, you know, the gang affiliated members. And I would see hood fights in the park there. I'll be a part of those hood fights where opposite gangs will meet up, no guns allowed. We're gonna fight this like men's, right? There'll be there'll be people with chains, with baseball bats, and you know, I would um, see a lot of things, backpacks going back and forth, coming in and out of houses as I as I go to school or as the other uh, uh, other other thugs would we you know would go or whatever, you know, transporting things. I, I would witness these things and, and other stuff. And I thought that, all right, this is how you make a living as a grown adult. Thank you for listening in. That's all the soul food we have to share today. Stay tuned to the next episode on soul food and keep your notifications on. Share each episode with your friends and family to feed their souls. Give the food that lasts forever. <laughs>